Haunted House, Haunted Mind. Episode 5. I have something to tell you. Some of this will make sense. Some of it won't. Some of it doesn't have to. That's how it is. In a few moments, the final episode in the series. If you haven't read the ebook chapters, make sure you do. Go to canmoreghost.ca. That's canmoreghost, all one word, dot ca. It's now within the realm of scientific possibility to create an imaginary memory. But the notion of a counterfeit memory, an experience one thinks is personally unique yet isn't, smacks of the best propaganda, a hidden persuader that is completely invisible. Imagine yourself in the grips of a pitched battle. Death or life is but moments away. Suddenly, your opponent zaps you. Your temporal lobes are bathed with a targeted blast of EMF, forcing you to succumb to an even greater terror, your mind. Military black science has long been rumored to be working toward such weaponry, but it's the next generation of computer gaming software that's more likely to bring it home. Present-day virtual reality is a mere toy against proposed systems which stimulate the big theater in your head. The difference between present technology and virtual reality is the fact that when you're experiencing virtual reality, you know that it's not yours, that it's not coming from your brain. Somebody's generating it. Michael Persinger. But if you begin to tap the very neurons that generate your sense of self, you can't tell the difference between a real experience your own experience, and that being created by an external force. So the application of this technology in terms of mind control is powerful because if you access those neurons that generate your sense of self, it is real. And it is perhaps the greatest of all fearfulness because you can access those neurons that control your sense of dissolution, your fear of death, your fear of your loss of self. And if you access those neurons, it would be totally devastating and incapacitating. That's a direct effect, but it doesn't have to be that powerful. You can use simple conditioning. For example, suppose you use an ordinary television newscast to indicate that something adverse is happening in the world due to a particular country or a group of people. If that night the entire population was inundated with relatively crude patterns, electromagnetic patterns generated by more or less conventional radio frequency technology that would make people feel uneasy, and you paired those particular newscast information, those particular people or that country with that uneasiness, and that was done two or three times, then your gut responses to that country or that people would be adversely affected. We have the technology now, in fact, we have the environment now where the amount of complexities generated from ordinary equipment, cell phones, communication devices, have the potential to statistically generate the complexities 
that will generate alterations in consciousness and perhaps even produce unusual experiences. Let me give you an example. 30, 40 years ago, most of the patterns being generated in the environment were sort of crude, simplistic 60 hertz fields. The brain habituates to 60 hertz fields, particularly the weaker fields, very quickly. But now we have all types of patterns being generated, pulsed here, pulsed there, and now we have the capacity to generate what are called beats, or subtraction effects, which means that you can generate a new kind of language that emerges from this apparent noise. And this new kind of information emerging from this noise, these beats, these subtractions, would have the capacity to actually tell the brain to do certain things. In other words, if we had these sequences that are the equivalent of telling the brain to be sick, to telling the brain to experience a particular phenomenon, now we have the capacities to do it, and it doesn't require that much energy. Diary. The Soviet Union invested considerable effort in the search for technology to influence people at a distance. The Russians investigated microwave generators. If you can change somebody's mind, you don't need to drop a bomb. I resolved one enigma. The ghostly haunt now made sense to me. But typically, answering the one question produced many others. Why does the application of electromagnetic fields to the temporal lobe give many people what appears to be a deeply mystical religious experience? Why is this mechanism of mind there? To what purpose? Michael Persinger. From a functional point of view, the importance of the God belief would be that it allowed us to adjust and to survive as a species. Of course, we don't know how it occurred and how it emerged, but we know it's tied to the same regions of the brain, the same process as the sense of self. There's an intricate component from the temporal lobes and certainly from the frontal areas for integration. But the sense of self was probably a fragile process that emerged at the same time that language became important. And we can imagine what it would have happened if the person suddenly realized, that first proto-human who suddenly realized, I'm a self, I have a future, but I also will die in the future. That anxiety would have been so incapacitating, so paralyzing, that the human sense of self may never have emerged. So I suspect what happened, there was a, another process that took place that said, well, there is infinity and there is a sensed presence that's infinite. And that if you align yourself with that, and if you define yourself with that, there is no end, and consequently there is no death. Diary. Today, while standing in my kitchen, of all the mundane places to be, I had this inexpressible feeling that I could no longer believe in a God. And now it becomes evident that what we call ourselves is nothing more than an aggregate of neurons firing in a particular electromagnetic pattern and that if I recreated that pattern, I could generate the sense of self. And we have the technology to do that. And that suggests that basically what we call ourselves, the human sense of self, is nothing more than a, a pattern of electromagnetic sequences generated within the brain that we can reduplicate with the appropriate, although very modern, technology. That means that we can also change it. That means that what we call our sense of self is a sequence of memories, a compilation of memories. And that means potentially that those compilation of memories could be stored, and that means the sense of self could be stored. And therefore, I think for many people that's frightening because that means that themselves as a special creation, a special idea, or something over which they have control is really an illusion. Diary. 
Larry Donovan called with a holiday greeting. He asked, How's your spiritual growth? I told him I had it removed. It was benign. Diary. The Banff Center. Dining room. Spoke with France Trepanier, visiting from the Canadian Cultural Center in Paris. She was clearly agitated by the implications of our conversation. This is not new stuff, she insisted upon learning about Persinger's research. It's rediscovering, she said, building on the foundations of mystic traditions. I asked if she was angry with me. No, she said. But the implications, no god out there mediating human existence, rattled her. But don't you want to know, I said. I think what happened with you is that when you were in your home is that you actually did see an apparition or a spirit. This is Linda Jane, a Cree lawyer and former professor at the University of Saskatchewan. She's now an education consultant. What happened in the lab is that you were stimulated and the memory was brought back to you. So I don't think that that the spirit was actually brought back at that time, but that your memory and remembrance of it was brought back in the lab. I think that our brains are wired for those experiences. That's the way we're built. And we can stimulate our brains virtually or we can stimulate them in other fashions. But what was causing the stimulation in the first place? Who turned on the switch? And it's something we can't answer. Diary. Must be careful that I don't exchange one God explanation for another, the God of science. Any particular self may be very useful at certain times. Any particular state of consciousness may be very useful for certain kinds of things. But our totality needs to be bigger than that. Charles Tart there's a part of you that had that experience of seeing that apparition and feeling terrified. If that was the only part of you, you wouldn't be here today. There's another self that says, this is an interesting experience. I wonder if there's any kind of explanation for it I can find. I wonder what it means in terms of a larger framework. Those other kinds of selves give you the perspective so you're not caught in any one particular aspect of it. Intelligence is being able to take multiple perspectives on things instead of always being caught in any one particular perspective. The house has been bought and sold and bought and sold again since we lived in it. A lot of people that used to come to the door had lived in that house. There was an incredible amount of people that had been through that house. I remember one time in April, a lady came by and says, oh yes, I I know about this house. Everybody knew about this house. She says, I lived here years and years ago. And I thought, my God, maybe uh, I was one among many having these experiences. I never talked to these other people about their experiences though. September 10th, 1997, on the move again, loading up a rider truck, this time bound for Sudbury. I stopped by the house, a bed and breakfast now. Spoke with a German fellow, the new owner on the deck. His wife seemed distraught, irritable. Talked to herself. She looked really tired, rough around the edges. The house looked lovely. I knew better. I told the man who I was. I asked if I could have a look, and he showed me around. I felt a rush as I passed through the front door, up the back of my spine. 
should I tell them? Language was a barrier, and my intuition told me they wouldn't believe me. So I said good luck and goodbye to Canmore. The story doesn't stop there. There's more to tell. Go to canmoreghost.ca. That's canmoreghost, all one word, dot ca. You'll read about new and cutting-edge research that advances a modern understanding of the supernatural. There's also a surprising twist to my Rocky Mountain ghost story, how it informs current scientific theory of interdimensional reality, the probability that we might be living in a computer simulation, and why space travelers on a mission to Mars are likely to hallucinate along the way. Haunted House, Haunted Mind. Written and produced and presented by me, Don Hill. All the music and sound is either composed and performed by me, or it's in the public domain. Go to the website, canmoreghost.ca. Sign up for the newsletter. You'll hear about the Museum of the 21st Century. It's a new podcast series coming up in 2018. Haunted House, Haunted Mind is an appropriate entertainment production. Thanks for listening.